All right. So we've been talking about the character and attributes of God. And this has been a series, a teaching series, that you may not even have realized that's what we were doing. But Britton started on it talking about the sovereignty of God. And Ben talked about um, God as a shepherd. And Chris talked about God is just. And even um, Victoria talked about the intimacy, you know, with this almighty God. And you can put the first slide up. So the character and attributes of God. I'm going to talk about how good God is, that God is good. And when we say God is good, he is for us, right? He's for us. The opposite of that, though, is I want you guys to really, when you leave here, you're going to think, God is not an ogre. He isn't. He's not cruel or terrifying. And even though we say, oh, yeah, I know God is good, we don't always act like God is good. It doesn't like seep into our pores. He's not against us. And so as I'm speaking, I just want you not to so much hear my voice, but you hear the Holy Spirit going into your hearts and really transforming our minds, transforming how we think so that those times when we think, oh, he is a hard taskmaster. Those times that we think, oh, we have to earn this or, oh, he's upset with us, or, oh, you know, that, that we would just remember that he is good and his actions are good. But the lens of how we think about him will hurt us. You know, we'll have misconceptions because of the lens. And God is pleading with us, like, know that I am good. You know, he's pleading with us to know that because Think about it. If you think that he's bad, it's kind of like that ogre under the bridge, that Grimm's fairy tale. I can't remember which one it was. But if you, to go across it, you had to make sure you please him. And all we do is we have to please the ogre, you know, on our way to heaven. That's not what God wants us to do. So next slide. Again, since he's not an ogre, he's not cruel, he's not setting the bar so high that we can't get to it. Like, he's, he's not mean. He's not like, oh, the, what he wants us to do is so up here and I'm so down here and never the twain shall meet. You know, he's, he's not mean. He's not like Sisyphus who was this God who was being punished and he had to roll this boulder continually up a hill and as soon as they get to the top, it'd roll back down. He'd have to continually do that. That's not our God. That's not our God. And he's not the carrot and the stick. You know, it's always unattainable what he has for you and what he wants for you. That's a cruel person. That's not our God. Our God is good. And these thoughts insidiously get in in the way we treat God and the way we listen to his scriptures, right? But he's generous. And when you see generous, you see that free in giving or sharing, and I'm about to fall over, okay? Free in giving and sharing, noble, open-handed, right? He's freely given us his promises. His promises are yes, and we say amen, so be it, right? He's free. He freely gives his love and support. He freely has adopted us. He's freely given us himself. He's open-handed. He's generous a generous giver. He freely transfers his possessions over to us. Look at Luke 12, 32. Fear not, little flock, 
for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Right? So it, he's, he's trying to get it to us. It's not like he's withholding it from us. It's not like the word has all these loopholes, oh, I don't qualify there, I disqualify there. He, that's not him, because he's a good God, right? He's like, he is for us. He is not an ogre, right? He's not an ogre. He's not withholding things. But we see God through our lens. We see God through the lens of he's an ogre, or we see God through the lens of he's good. And everything that God does and everything he says, we interpret through that lens. Right? Next slide. So there are my lenses. <laughs> and I saw this picture. And we had been learning about Hitler and all this kind of stuff. And this um, minister was standing up there, and it was like this, right? And it was like, to me, like, hi, Hitler, right? To um, the congregation. But if you knew the story behind it, his face was so intent because he loved his congregation and he was blessing them. It, was, it had nothing to do with that. But, but my half perception of what things are going to be colored how I saw the picture and how I interpreted it. If we don't know, no, 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 that God is good, we're going to interpret things wrongly. We'll all read the same scriptures, but we'll interpret it wrongly. If you're an ogre thinking, right, that God is cruel and that you don't really get the promises and you got to work really hard, fear, punishment, performance, pain, and God added another P this morning, penance, that's how you're going to be on this end. And so as you read the scriptures, you'll read it with that lens, right? But if you're with mercy and grace and love, it's acceptance, and you'll know God is good and God is for you, right? Next slide. So Romans 8.31, I'm going to show you what I mean so you have a concrete example. In Romans 8.31, it says, if God is for us, who can be against us, Right? If God is for us, who can be against us? We heard it in the song today. We sang that. If God is for us, who can be against us? But God was telling me that what most people do is they focus on the if because they have an ogre lens. And they say, ah, oh, that doesn't mean me. I disqualify myself, right? If God is for you, well, he's for that person, and I see he's for that person, but nah, he's not for me. So that, I guess that means, you know, a lot of people are against me. I won't even go to the rock of my salvation because I disqualified myself because of the lens of how I read it. But if you read it in context, just like once I knew that this wasn't high Hitler, it was blessing over the congregation, then it's different. So let's read Romans 8, 31 through 39. And I skipped 30, verse 37. It says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Did you see the word graciously? Graciously give us all things. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, 
who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Okay, stop there for a second. Did you hear that? He's interceding for us. He loves us. We're accepted. He's not condemning. He's not justifying. He is justifying, right? That's a good God. Those are the attributes of a good God. So when your thoughts start tending to the opposite way, you come back. No, my God is good. My God is good. It's not three strikes, you're out. Most of us have had more than three strikes. You don't have to raise your hand. He's not like, you know, with the baseball bat ready to get us. That isn't our God. Our God is good, right? And we make it more complicated and we make it harder if we have that ogre lens. You know, that's what makes it harder. But God wrote the scriptures for us, for us to get to know him better, for us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, for us to have the uh, deep breath and the confidence to know that he is for us. He is good. So let's continue. I'm going to start with 33 again. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, not word, <laughs> sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God is good and he is for us. The devil delights in painting God as an ogre. You know, that's the scheme of the devil. The devil delights in doing that because it separates us. Nothing, nothing, nothing. God is continually working with you. I had a friend in college, so many years back, who was into, is it Wicca? She, she, was, she thought she was a good witch. You know, she was into all the witchcraft stuff, and she would try to get me in it, and grace to God, I never went into it, but she was always trying to get me in it. And Pauline would say, oh, no, no, no. You know, there are these spirits, and we have spirit guides, and, and you talk to them, but you got to be careful because they're tricky. You know, you might ask for something, and you might get something evil back, but that's because you just didn't ask right, you know, and she would go on about this witchcraft stuff. God is good. He's not like that. In Matthew, it says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts, good gifts to those who ask? He's a good God. He's a good God, and he's for you. He's not building loopholes in the scriptures so that you can't attain, so that you can't succeed. Next slide. 
And so I want us to think about what I said now as they play this song. Um, you guys can stand or sit, whatever you prefer. You give life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken.
Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. But now we know our lenses, right? Now we know our lenses, and we know what to watch out for. So this one is a little harder. This is Hebrews 11:6. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So I was like, yeah, that, that's the right response. Good lens, somebody. <laughs> so that... But, you know, when you first read this, there's a lot of people who get caught up on three words. God said one of those is without faith. 
Some people feel like, I don't have any faith, or I have such a little bit of faith. Remember, God gives us faith, right? He, he gives each and every one of us a measure of faith. And if you don't feel like you have faith, even as small as a mustard seed, it's still powerful. And if you want to grow it, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Don't get, don't get bogged down in the but without faith. You have faith. Every single person in here has faith. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. So we know we can please him. For, meaning because, he who comes to God must believe that he is. Every single one of us believe that God is. There's not one of us who's going to say, there is no God. And we know that Christ, Jesus Christ, is the Son of God. That's, that's a fact. We, we have that part. But this is the one. And that he's a rewarder. Some people don't feel like God is a rewarder because they're not looking at him through the lens of a good God. That he's a reward. He only rewards those special people. You know, maybe he's a punisher because that's the opposite of a rewarder. But he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And then the word diligently can get us. Diligently. Because you're like, oh, I'm not diligent. I'm not diligent. God said, we are reading the scriptures too hard. We're too hard on ourselves. God loves it when we come to him, especially when you have a problem. You're diligently seeking him. I'll give an example from my life. I was so upset about, you know, a lot of stuff that was happening in the world. I was up, upset because it felt almost like to be Christ-centered Christianity as it was being redefined, I couldn't be black. You know, like, I, like there was this impasse that, I was getting separated into parts, and that's not God. And I was, I was upset and, and frustrated, and I went to God. I went to God. I went to talk to God, right? Even though I'm crying, it's not flying, I went to God, right? That is, he exists. And I knew that he would listen to me. He rewarded me by listening. And as I'm talking to him, I got peace. It didn't change the world, but I got peace and I got strength. He rewarded me with that. You see, I mean, we don't need to make it so big. And then he said he was pleased with me. He was pleased with me. I'm glad you came. Glad we talked about this. He was pleased with me. Don't make it so ding-dang hard. You know, he just wants you to come, which is why I like Psalm 116.7. This gentleman, now, the guy who wrote Psalm is not David, because sometimes, you know, when you get high up and people esteem you, you feel like, oh, yeah, God's talking to David. David would have this. But this is an unknown. We don't know who wrote Psalm um, 116. This is just a regular person like you and I. So Psalm 116.7 says, Now I can say to myself and to all, relax and rest. Be confident and serene, for the Lord reward, rewards fully those who simply trust in him. That's all it was saying, right? That's all it was saying. Those who simply trust in him. It's not this huge big deal, right? It's not this huge big deal. We make it so much more complicated because we forget that God is good and God is for us. I, I, teach, I teach math over Hope College. I teach like um, 
Sesame Street, you know, the letter P. When you leave here, you know we talked about the letter P. When you leave here, you can say, God is good and he is for us. <laughs> that, that's like, I'm ramming it down you. God is good and he is for us. But I want you to see the Psalm, next slide. This is Psalm 116, verses 1 to 10. Just so that now that you're looking at it, look at it in the terms of God exists. He knew God existed. He came to him. And God is a rewarder. He listened and helped of those who simply come to him. So he starts off and he says, I love the Lord because he listens to me. Now right there, some of us would be like, wow, that's a little self-centered. But we love God because he first loved us. <laughs> that is how it works, right? So I love the Lord because he listens to me. He listens to me when I pray to him. I will always pray to him because he hears what I say. The danger of death was all around me. I began to be afraid of Shoal. I was sad because I had so much trouble. Then I prayed to the name of the Lord. I said, Lord, please save me. Notice it wasn't this huge prayer. It was simple because he knew his God loved him. He knew God was good. So he, then I prayed in the name of the Lord. I said, Lord, please save me. The Lord is kind and good to people. Our God shows us that he loves us. The Lord gives help to those people that need it. So I could say to myself, now you are safe because the Lord has been kind to you. When I was in danger, he saved me. Yes, Lord, you saved me from death. You saved my eyes from crying and my feet from failing. Now I can serve the Lord in this world where people live and not in Shoal. I believe that God would give me help. I believe this even when I said I have much pain. How many of us believe that God is good even when we have much pain? Right? He will reward us. He, will, he is not an ogre. Psalm 145, next slide. Psalm 145, 9 says, The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. Let's not make God out a liar. Don't disqualify yourself and say, the all doesn't include me. The all includes all of us, right? The all includes, and I love that it said tender mercies, because this is mercy. Compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. In other words, giving us something we don't deserve. That's mercy. And that's enough right there. But God says tender mercies. He's gentle with us. Tender mercies. Even when we're wrong, even when we cause whatever situation that we're in, tender mercies, right? God is not a liar. That's the opposite of good. He's a good God, and he's for you. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he not said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? And so... Um, Skip one slide. I'm going to wait for faithfulness. I'm going to do one more. So God's promises, so skip to yes and amen. Yay! 
Yay. So God's promises are yes and amen, right? Yes, 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 you have it. Yes, yes, yes. Amen means so be it, so be it, right? So be it, it's done. And just so that you really understand how much, how good God is and how much he wants to give you the promises and see them in fruition in your life, look at Hebrews 6, 17 to 18. Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show you, to show to the heirs of promise the immutability, which means unchangingness, of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things, his promise and his oath, in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation, comfort, who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. And just for some of us who like it a little bit more simply, the message says, when God wanted to guarantee his promises, he gave his word, a rock-solid guarantee. God can't break his word. And because his word cannot change, the promise is likewise unchangeable. God is good, and he is for you. Slide before. So I want us to think about that as we sing, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Oh 
Faithfulness 